Welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast who are proud to be sponsored by the Insurance Practice. The team at the Insurance Practice specialise in family protection and life insurance and who better to look after you and your loved ones than fellow Rangers fans. Listeners of the Gallant Few will get a free protection review so get in touch with the team at www.theinsurancepractice.co.uk or contact the Gallant Few for more information. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast, the episode one of a new series called Where Are They Now? This is a series where we'll look back on the players who have featured for Rangers, starting off from the 2012-13 season through to 2016-17 season. We're going to look back at the players who formed an interesting part of Rangers history, we think enough times passed by that we can look back on these players and see what did they do for Rangers and where are they now, as the title suggests. To join me on this episode, on the first episode, we've got Colin McDuff. Hello, Colin. Hi, Graham. Thanks for inviting me on the first episode. Um, probably the <laughs> probably the most difficult one out of the four we'll do with the, the players that were got to look at, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, reliving some of the memories for 2012. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that, that the reason this one will be a difficult one, or the one will be a, a, an odd one to do, is the way that the, the series will work, we're going to look at episode one, and we're going to feature really just for season 2012-13, so there may be players that you think are part of that season but don't feature in this episode, that's because they will feature later on, um, later on in the series. But let's kick off, let's kick off with season 2012-13 and like any team, we usually start with a goalkeeper. So let's look at the goalkeeper for that season. Goalkeeper was Neil Alexander who before joining Rangers had played for, starting off his career at Stenhouse Muir. Played at Livingston. I remember him playing a um, a good game or a good career at Livingston as well. Before moving to Cardiff, where he spent most of his career, that's where he's racked up the most appearances. Um, before moving to Ipswich Town and then joining Rangers. Colin, what's your memories of Alexander at Rangers? I think I have spoken on previous pods as well how how much I admired admired Neil Alexander. I was delighted when we signed him in 2008. I, I, I'll be honest at that point, I never thought he was going to be any more than a backup to Alan McGregor. I didn't, I didn't think he'd feature very much at all, but he was, he, was, uh, he was one of these players who was always in and around the Scotland squad and you kind of knew was a decent keeper, but how he ended up featuring in the in the cup in the cup run of the UEFA Cup final when McGregor was you know being a bit naughty on and off the field he would always come in and do a great job I think uh, Rangers like the last 30 odd years we've been we've 
we've got a list of absolute elite goalkeepers. You know, you've got McGregor, Gollum, Cross, Chris Woods before that. There is a, a level b- below that. And McGregor, sorry, Alexander's kind of in there. We, maybe along the likes of Ronald Batteris, stuff like that. I, I thought he was he's such a underrated player for for Rangers before 2012. I don't think people always give him the credit that he was due for the, the role he played in league winning sides, cup winning sides and getting to the UEFA Cup final. Yeah, he did have a, 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 one of the things that sticks out to me is he was always in and around the Scotland team. He was, which was a difficult thing to do at the time when you'd create Gordon, Alan McGregor, was, he was always played back up to McGregor anyway, but um, yeah, just that level below, but still a top class goalkeeper. Very professional. To have racked up the amount of appearances he has, he's not. He's not like a um, a backup goalie. You know, when you look at it, he's, I think he's got over five hundred um, appearances um, in club football. So that shows that he's. He wasn't just one of these backup goalkeepers. If he went to a club, he wanted to be number one, and if he wasn't, he was going to make sure he. It was going to be, or else moved on. Yeah, so after he left Rangers, um, he joined Crystal Palace, but he didn't actually feature in any games. He just uh, he went down there. It didn't quite work out for him, and he, he quickly moved on. And he moved on to Hearts, and in his time at Hearts, he um, led them to promotion. So he won the, the championship at, at Hearts, uh, returning to the Premier League. And then he moved on to Aberdeen again for whatever reason it didn't work out at Aberdeen and um, it, it was back up there didn't, didn't have any appearances so this obviously has started to tail off today towards the end of his career um, but he did finish up at Livingston where he um, had previously played um, and played there in 2017 again another promotion for him so uh, uh, racking up more trophies before finally retiring. Well, that's Neil Alexander. Let's move on to the the defence. Yeah, the defence for Rangers that season was um, probably at the heart of it would have been Carlos Bocanegra. Carlos was a a player who had quite a career before he came to Rangers. He was an American international, um, had played in England, played in France, uh, obviously started off in America. So his... his, um, Clubs before he came to Rangers were Chicago Fire, uh, Fulham, where I think most of us remember him from, Rennes in France, St Etienne before joining Rangers. Again, Colin, what's your, what's your thoughts on Carlos? Any memory, particular memories at the time? So for the season before, I remember him and his centre-half counterpart, who I'm sure we're going to come on to, were just fantastic for the first half of the season. Carlos Bocanegra in particular, he kind of filled that void that David Weir, sorry, David Weir was leaving. David Weir was getting injured on and off. He was still there for the first half of the season, but Carlos Bocanegra is such a classy centre-half, such a, such a intelligent footballer. And I remember the absolute, absolute shock seeing him walk out for that first game in the Challenge Cup uh, the season after and he had the captain's armband and with Neil Alexander in goals and Carlos Bocanegra and you know whoever else alongside him in defence I kind of knew that 
we weren't going to keep all of them. But with the kind of centre-halves and the goalkeeper, I thought, right, this is Rangers. I should have said at the start of the, the, start of the show, I went into this season with such like, youth and naivety. I thought, this is, you know, what's happened has happened. It's not going to change now. This is your chance to build a, a team for the future with the right guys about it. So I had this fairy tale that, Maybe Bokenegra and Alexander would stay there for two or three years, but alongside them, a young goalkeeper would come through for the cup games and a young centre-half would come through with Bokenegra and bleed them in. And I, I remember just the first game being absolutely delighted that Bokenegra was there and I thought, well, he's he's not going to waste his time now and he's already playing the first game. He, he could have got a club easily, but I was wrong. <laughs> no, it wasn't to be, was it? Yeah, Bokenegra did just have a, a touch of class about him. He had <clears throat> international pedigree, you know, so many games for um, America. I think he played the World Cups, you know, he just a, a class act on the international stage. Um, after leaving Rangers, he went to Spain for a bit. He went on loan to uh, Santander, recent Santander. Played a bit there before I might finally go back to America to play for Chivas or Chivas. How would you say that? I'm going to go with Chivas. Chivas USA played for. Um, so finished his career there. Um, he's currently at um, Atalanta United. He's a technical director there. And he's actually, well, he was technical director. He's now technical director and he's the vice president of the club. Um Seems to be doing a very good job there. He just, I don't know, that professionalism, I do, that's the impression you got from him as a player. I think he's taken that into his um, post-football career. And, yeah, as I say, he's um, doing good work over there. And then just recently, a few months ago, he was elected into the National Hall of Fame. He's actually retired there as the most international goals for USA um, as a defender. Did they not? Did they not reach over a hundred caps for the USA as well? Yeah, I'm sure uh, they did. Yeah. Um, as I say, so many, so many goals for them. But yeah, I think uh, 110 is um, definitely well over a hundred that he managed to to rack up. That's an amazing achievement, isn't it? That's because yeah. we're saying that about Davis now, aren't we? But you know, we're, we're lacking a lot. Waxing lyrical about Stephen Davis and the amount of caps that he's racked up, but to have done that as well as spending the majority of your career in Europe and still, you know, flying back to America to play in the, the North America Cup, is it the Gold Cup they call that over there? Um, playing the Gold Cup. Um, so, yeah, um, absolutely amazing career. Yeah, really recognised and, and being honoured in the, the National Hall of Fame. Well, uh, next defender then. Next defender I'm going to look at is Emilson Cribari. Emilson Cribari is a, a Brazilian player. Um, played for a few teams in Italy before coming to, to Rangers. Most of his career was spent in Italy. Um, before he came to Rangers, though, he was at Cruzeiro and then he signed for, uh, signed for Rangers. Colin, what was your... Impressions of Emilson Cribari. Did he leave a lasting impression on you? So I think Emilson Cribari is a name that gets bandied about as a bit of a joke figure. 
and I think it's he's more a victim of the team he played in because I think um, I think most people think about anybody, but bar maybe the bar maybe the couple we're going to highlight, but. No, there was a lot of maybe foreign defenders, if you like, uh, who've came in during this uh, stage in our history. And they, I think Kabari gets put in with the rest of them. And we just assumed he was, I think he was actually okay for Rangers. Um, I might get, I might get shot down for saying that, but in comparison to what we had and the, the job at hand, he'd done fairly well for Rangers. And I didn't, um, I didn't know anything about him before he came, but when, when he did sign, like you seen the, I'm sure he won the Copa Italia with Lazio before, and he, he was always playing for, I mean, Empoli, Udinese, Lazio, decent clubs, uh, no, not European, like competing clubs, but at the time he, he had a decent career, and I thought, I, I thought he managed to do a decent enough job without standing out, but I think. He, well, maybe a bit unfair in him when we look back at this stage. Yeah, but we had a few bad results, didn't we? So I think we just get the, the scars of that. That, and you're right. It's just that um, he's um, he's labelled and he's by association with those. Um, I'm struggling to remember too many performances, man. I don't know. There was a few games, and you, you're thinking back, and I'm struggling to think him standing out, or he just seemed to. Under the radar for me, I don't remember. I don't remember anything in particular about what he done or what he, how he stood out. After leaving Rangers, um, there was no future. There was no um, no no other clubs that he played for. Anything else, Colin, that you're thinking about when he played with Rangers? Any other performances? I'll be. Honest, I remember thinking at the time. This was a sensible signing, and that's no that's not a thing you say too often about Alan McCoyst. Um, it was a sensible signing because by this point we knew potentially Bocanegra and a couple of other big names were going to be moving on. So this was, a, a, I think it was what, maybe 33 at the time of signing, an experienced centre-half or what should have been an experienced centre-half. And again, I'm still, I've still got this youthful like, dream that it, this is an experienced guy to get us through for a couple of seasons while bleeding the 18, 19, 20-year-old centre-halves. So I remember being happy with the, the signing at a time and I've not really got too much bad to say about Kribari. Fair enough, fair enough. What he did do after he left Rangers, though, is he, he went and founded a soccer academy. So he's um, the C25 Soccer Academy. It's based in Londrina, which is just about 300 miles from Sao Paulo. So it's a, a youth academy, teaches children how to play, all different age groups. That's where that man's ended up back home. I think that was actually his um, his hometown, or that was the team that he played for initially when he was a a youngster. On to the next defender we're going to look at then, and it's a, a man called Doran Goyan. God, Goyan had played for some decent decent sides, similar to um, similar to Kribari, who had played it in Italy. He had played for Steaua Bucharest. Played a lot of games there in Palermo. Um, decent enough pedigree. Again, another player that had a lot of international appearances, so right, played a lot for Romania. Um, tell me your thoughts on Goyan. How did he measure up in the Rangers shirt? So again, to the season before, in particular the first half of the season, I thought every time Goyan and Bocanegra played 
together. They complemented each other so much. When we talk about Bocanegra being that intelligent, classy, composed centre-half, I don't know if I'm maybe giving Goyan a bit of a disservice here, but he was more your traditional rough and ready body in the line centre-half. And I actually thought, out of the two, if we could have kept one, he might have been the he might have been the more suited player because it was going to be a very physical league we were playing in. I, I, I was a big fan of Dorian Goyan. I think injury kept him in and out of the, the team uh, for the two or three years he was there. I don't know if you remember, there was a face, it was either Facebook or Twitter, and the page was Dorian Goyan Facts, and it was basically just like, See some of the the Chuck Norris facts that you used oh, to get. Right. It was just basically that, like, oh, at the weekend, uh, Peterhead had seven crosses into the box. Dorian Goyan headed away ten of them. You know that kind of stuff. Just, um, but I was a fan of Goyan. Uh, but no surprise that he went on to he, he went out and won as well. I, I wasn't going back to what I was saying at the start. I thought we would have been extremely lucky to keep. Either Bocanegra or Goyan, I would have loved one of them, but ended up we've got neither. Yeah, it was a a no nonsense. I think was the the phrase to use, and it was just a no nonsense defender. Um, attacked everything, but yeah, that was kind of my memories of him as well. Just being a like rock rock at the back, and you're right. See if we could have had, held on to him just to guide a few of these players, these younger players. That um, I know you're. It's probably idyllic or. Um, wishful thinking and sentimental to be thinking that, but I've seen that as well. That's the way I've seen approaching this journey back. Who's going to be? Let's get a young team together, and a young team should be able to win that, that uh, for division, no problem. So just a splattering of experience was all we, we were going to need. But yeah, not to be. Uh, Goyan moved on. So as you say, he moved off and loan. First of all, he went to Spezia. Um, a bit of a issue at Spezia, and that was because it was actually he pushed a referee. I don't don't know if you remember the Canio doing that. I think that's for Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, a similar type incident where he's pushed the referee, and he's got a, a bit of a suspension, four, four game ban. The manager at the time was just saying, "Get rid of him," you know, sent him back to Rangers, but he ended up he scored. Oh, well, once he came back for his uh, suspension, he scored and always forgiven. You know, the Italians are like, they're just, you know, always forgiven, <laughs> carry on. So uh, he became a, a mainstay in the team, actually, after that. Um, finished up the season there. Before the, um, after that, sorry, he then moved on to Tripoli, Asteris Tripoli. That's where he moved on and ultimately finished his career. Um, yeah. A great player, another player who racked up a, a hell of a lot of appearances over his career. I know you say there was a few injuries at Rangers, but um, certainly made a lot of appearances international and club. One of the defenders that we could have um, maybe brought on. One of the things you, you know we're saying there is who, how do we, how could we have brought on the youth, and that would have been a mixture of experience and youth. One of the youth players that was promising coming through the ranks was Ross Perry. Ross Perry, to me, I that this was one of the ones I thought was going to be a great player. I thought he could have um, really developed himself coming through the divisions. 
uh, he came right through the, the Rangers youth, so he, he didn't have a, a career prior to that. So, any any thoughts on Ross Perry? Just want to say, I find the way you've listed these players out, um, it kind of it kind of matches my mood for that season. You know, we started really high and really positive and we got it slowly but surely just kind of break me down and that's that was my emotions for this season. That this was exactly what I was what we were talking about. This is the kind of guy that he'd been in and about the Rangers first team the last couple of years, even under Walter Smith making appearances from the bench. I think he made his debut alongside Davy Weir in a cup game maybe. Uh, when Walter Smith was in charge and he was always there thereabouts, cut our own spells. So well you're thinking, right, this is this is a chance to proper like bring on somebody who'll be there for years and develop them at the right at the right speed. And uh, I just my memories of him has just been an absolute bomb scare. And I don't know if I'm being maybe unfair because it the biggest memory I have of him as a Dundee United game in the Scottish Cup. But I think that just kind of summed up that that was like the, his highlights of the season all in all in one. All the mistakes he made, that was what we were seeing every week. I mean, for the first goal, I don't, you, don't know if you remember, it was a long ball in and Kribari actually goes to clear the ball, but he, he, he kind of miskicked it and he sliced it slightly, but Ross Perry's just kept on running into the back of him. So <laughs> the striker goes through scores, but if I actually looking over the looking back over my memories uh, for this, I watched the highlights of that Dundee United game and I don't know why I put myself through that, it was terrible. <laughs> but even even away from the goals, there's times where Ross Perry's in the box and the ball's getting crossed in and he's running the wrong way. It's is weird. I don't know if you'll get this reference or you're a proper adult, but see Mario Kart, you know what that is? Um, okay. It's like, aye, it was, it was like if you're playing Mario Kart and you're looking at the wrong side of the screen, you, you think you're the other person, you're trying to direct it, but in actual fact, you, your car's just going round in circles. That's what it looked like with Ross Perry that game. He didn't know where he was going and he, I think he claimed he was injured and he got subbed off uh, maybe early on in the second half, but I think he shot himself and that was my, that was my long lasting memory of Ross Perry. Um, a bit of a headless chicken then. bit of a headless chicken, mate. Aye. Yeah, it's, and it's sad to see it, isn't it? Because when you've got these high hopes for these young players that are coming through and you've got visions of them being um, outstanding stalwarts for the club and they're going to go on and do so much for us and it just never materialises. Um, he's his career didn't actually take off at all after leaving Rangers like it does for some. Um, went to Wraith Rovers, didn't feature much. Northampton Town, didn't feature much. Brecon, Clyde, Albion, Dumbarton, sort of gradual decline there um, before signing. He's now playing in the, uh, the juniors. He's playing for Darville now in the junior leagues. But I, I think he had ankle... Well, there was ankle ligament damage earlier on in his career and I don't know if that's just hampered him but yeah he's not not really um, not really showing as, as he would have hoped I'd imagine going on to another player who I thought was going to be an absolute superstar Kyle Hutton 
Kyle Hutton, another player who came through the ranks, um, made more appearances than, than Ross Perry did. But Kyle Hutton, to me, was going to be a Rangers captain. I absolutely loved Kyle Hutton. So if anyone's listening to the Gallant Few looking for scouting tips or looking for expertise football analysis, please don't listen to me. Listen to the other guys. That's where the expertise it comes from. Certainly not me. I honestly loved Kyle Hutton. I thought he was going to dominate midfields for years. Um, what do you What do you think, Colin? Was that was on the right track early doors of of initial impressions? I just heard like the angry, like the angry smashing of keyboards from follow follow listeners when you mentioned Kyle Hutton being a, a Rangers captain. <laughs> I don't think he's Fall Fall's favourite uh, player for this time, but I'll I'll put my head I'll put my my head in the plate there. I actually thought the same. I was delighted when we managed to keep him. Like he, another one who was breaking through under Walter Smith, and he, he played against Manchester United in the Champions League. We got beat one 0 at Ibrox that game, but I was there, and he, he didn't look out of place. This seems to be a player who just played played the level around him so he could play the Champions League level but he looked every part of a third division player when he went down there um, there's, there's actually two like kind of everlasting memories of Kyle Hutton for me it's the shittest claim of fame ever but I went to show with his wife um, that's, uh, so I, I'd, I'd met him a couple of times before he broke through the Rangers and we were at a house party once and uh, he told me a story that his wages got mixed up with Alan Hutton's once and he got Alan Hutton's monthly wage in his bank account and he got to keep it. And I, I was telling everybody in school um, on the Monday and it was about six years later I was thinking about it and I was like, he was taking the absolute piss out of me, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about the, the heights of you know, playing against Paul Scholes Ibrooks, that two-one loss to Annan at Ibrooks. I remember he he played there, and he was in and out of the team at that point. I, I remember McCoy got a lot of stick for not playing them, and then when he eventually did play him, he was getting a lot of stick for keeping him in the team because he shouldn't win. But Kyle Hutton was particularly poor at Annan. Well, against Annan that day, I've never seen so many stray passes, like five, ten-yard passes, and I think at that point, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if. It, it is just a, he plays to the level around him or he wasn't interested at this point. But early on, I thought he was he was going to be a big, big player for Rangers. Yeah, OK. I'm glad I'm not totally lost it. I mean, I'd still take him back today. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I really did. I thought he was going to be a great player. Um, didn't materialise. So looking after, looking after his Rangers career, left in 2015, went to Queen of the South. I think he'd done all right at Queen of the South. But as you say, he's, he's playing at the level round about him. I think he was just one of the better players in the Queen of the South team. Anyway, it's St Mirren, Airdrie, Dumbarton, where he, that's where he had the most appearances um, in club career, uh, was in Dumbarton. He actually won the player of the year for them, thus justifying my high hopes for him, realising his potential. Um, and then he's finally he's moved on to East Cobride now. Um I don't really have any stats for that. Um, I couldn't actually find out if he's actually played any games for them or not. Um, and do you know what? Is Ian Durant still East Kilbride? You know, I can't, I've, they've kind of dropped off my radar. They were on my radar last year for some reason, but I don't know if they've 
totally stop playing or if it's um, or, or what's happening there, do you know? I've no idea, but I'm sure the last couple of years a lot of money has been going into the Ace Bright team, so it wouldn't surprise me if they like saying Gerard and that was still there, but I think guys like Kyle Hutton and I don't know, there's another couple of players that have kind of dropped through the Scottish Championship um, SPFL to the likes of East Robride and Darvo because there's a lot of money going in I don't know if this I don't know what's happening with like Walland League and junior football if it's like a if it's like a front for like a mafia business but there's a lot of money kicking about there Yeah, Kel well, I'm not going to claim um, mafia because that's nonsense I'm not <laughs> I, I could get sued or I could get shot one of the two but no, there's a lot of Celtic hearts, are a lot of money behind them at the moment. Um, East Cobridge, you're right, there's money being thrown at them. And if it wasn't for uh, the curtailment of the, se- of the last season, there would have been teams coming up, most likely Celtic, although I think they had to play Brora Rangers, maybe. Um, so there was going to be a Highland League versus the Lowland League playoff, but it eventually didn't happen. Um, but yeah... Um, Interesting to see how, how he turns up at East Cobride. Yeah, moving on then. Moving on to another young player who's coming through the ranks. Um, another one who, who had, we had high hopes for. I certainly did. And that was Lewis McLeod coming through the, the youth ranks at Rangers. What have you got to say about Lewis McLeod? So he's one of the very few players of this, of this part of the journey that I don't have really anything negative to say about him other than kind of how how it ended up for him. It's I thought I thought he was excellent for his short short time at Rangers. I think he only got just over like fifty appearances, but I remember him breaking through, and it was kind of similar to when Jamie Ness was breaking through a couple of years before. There was a, a good bit of excitement about him, and. He was just so neat and tidy and composed on the ball. He's such a such a neat passer, and he, he loved had that great eye for goal. I know it's uh, no this season in particular, but then two great Rangers goals: an overhead kick against the United, and the season after that, an overhead kick against Livingston. And uh, I, he was another one that's. I know we were saying Ross Perry was a guy that. At first, we thought, okay, this is somebody who's going to be at Rangers for years to come. But when Lewis McLeod played, he backed up that that premonition. He like he looked as if he could be playing in the top flight for Rangers the way he was playing. And I get we need to take into consideration the opposition we were playing and the players around him. But he stood out so much, and I I remember it was my birthday. Um, I think my. My 21st, 22nd birthday, he he pulled his hamstring and that's the 2 defeat to Alloa, his last game for Rangers. What a shite present that was. Hmm. I thought you were going to say he turned up at your house party for a 21st. I told you that he got wages after Sunday, right? <laughs> yeah, he was a player that you thought was going to be... Because he, he was doing it at um, the international level as well in the unders. You know, I think he was playing well in the under-18s and under-21s, I think. Um but there was definitely a big buzz about Lewis McLeod. Yeah, he did. You know, he's still got a good career. It's continued. Um, but yeah, he was one of the players I definitely did think would have a future at Rangers if he had stayed. He actually got called up to the Scotland squad 
the he, he didn't play, but you remember when Scotland played England, and uh, it would have been the the Euro 2016 qualifiers. So I think this game was in 2014. He he looked called up and he was on the bench in Stratton's team, right. and that's in so Rangers were, were League One or Championship at that point. And that's how good he was. Just such a pity how it turned out because I think. Um, if if his body held up, I don't know. It's maybe similar to what people were saying about Jordan Ross or uh, Liverpool. If his body held up, he could have went to, you know, he could have went very very far in the game. I think. Yeah. So after Rangers, Lewis then moved on to Brentford. Um, that may have been a tip off from Warburton, maybe, possibly. And then Wigan, and now he's at Plymouth. He's not really been featuring a lot, but I think injuries are plaguing him as well. I think he's another one that the injuries are just taking a toll because his career could have really kicked on. I think I remember at Brentford he got a really good start or he had a really good... um, He was getting a good write-up anyway. He was scoring a lot of goals because I I remember at the time going, God, we really miss him. You know, we're missing him. That's the type of player we could be doing with. But yeah, that was that. He's currently playing his trade at Plymouth Argyle. Well, let's look at another, another one of the youngsters then. The next two, well, the next two players we're going to look at are another couple of youngsters that broke through. So, first one we'll look at is Robbie Crawford. Robbie Crawford uh, again coming through the youth team. What did you? What's your memories of Robbie Crawford? I'm actually I'm actually shocked the amount he played for Rangers. He's played forty odd games, and I have remember him being out and loan for most of his time at Rangers. So surprised to go that many that many appearances. Uh, Were a lot of them substitute appearances though. I seem to remember him coming on a lot as a sub. I think so, and I remember every time he came on, you can't fault the the boy's attitude. It was like an honest trial. He really was, and. Like, I think he was one of these players that run all day for you and put 110% in, but I think it's, you've seen early on, he wasn't, he wasn't up to the standard uh, that we needed, even compared to the rest of the young boys, because, you know, we've got the likes of Lewis McLeod, we're talking about Kyle Hutton, who we'd already seen, Barry McKay, we'll talk about in another episode, I'm sure, but these guys were all starting to look out and stand out, and he, he just... Aye. He wanted to be everywhere and anywhere. He was like a Labrador chasing after the ball and seeing a footballer, wasn't he? Yeah. I just remember him being slight. He was such a slight player, you know. And by that age, you were thinking, well, you need to put a bit of beef on. You're going to need to start bulking up because you're getting pushed off the ball all the time. As you say, he would run all day. He would, you know, he's a great dribbler. He would sprint and he would chase things down, but... If anyone came near him, they just used to shoulder him out of the way. He used to frustrate life with me. He just, yeah, he just didn't have the strength to be a, a professional in the, in the man's game. But after leaving Rangers, um, a couple of loan, loan um, appearances, uh, Greenock Morton, Alwa, he also went to East Kilbride, actually. He was one of the players that did drop down into the, into the lower league. So you, you can see his actual career decline. Declining, you know, the level that they play that declined, but he then did move on to a, a team called FH. I don't even know their full name, to be honest. I've not looked up their, their real name, but it's an Icelandic team, one of the better Icelandic teams. I think they won the Premier League recently, they won the, the top division recently. Um, 
And then he moved on to another Icelandic team, played a, a season there. And then just last season there, he's moved on to Charleston Battery, which is a team that play in... Where do they play? I forget the name of it. South Carolina, I think it is. Um, it's in America, in America, but I'm sure it's South Carolina is the name of the, the state that they play in. Um, Charleston Battery are actually in the lower league, so kind of like our championship for the team below the MLS. Um, yeah, I think it speaks a lot for a player who does something like that. There's been a few players recently who have moved to Iceland, rings a bell, there's a couple of players went there. Um, players who actually go out and take their talent and take it elsewhere. Such an exciting life to lead, I think, you know, for, for an average footballer to be able to do that and go and travel the world just playing football. I, I remember, he plays in America, but I always imagined that if I had moved to America like at the age of 12 or something, I'm sure I would have been seen in the street doing like five keepy-ups and they would have thought I was Pele and I'd get signed up and I'd be playing for the US national team by the age of 14 or something. It's, so Carlos Bocanegra was shite then, that's what you're saying, just because he was American. Good point, good point. <laughs> yeah, okay, the next one we're going to look at then is Andy Mitchell. And this one, guy didn't really make many appearances for Rangers, but he was on my radar, um, I remember him playing. And, uh, again, another one who I th- could have done well, but he also was another one of these slight players, he was so he looked to me to be quite small and easily pushed off the ball um, would, you, would you remember any any games standing out or anything that sticks out about Andy Mitchell? No, the only question I had was I can't remember at the time thinking, I don't know for the life of me why Alan McCoy doesn't rate him like it just, it may have been because he was slight but I remember every time he came on and he was a midfielder, but he played right back a couple of times, and he looked impressive. He, he looked, he looked like a, he, he looked like a decent prospect coming through. Somebody who, if he had the right run of games at the right, right pace, then he could have really made a mark. I do vaguely remember a bit of, a bit of newspaper talk when he first signed. I think he came for the Man City Academy, and he was kind of highly thought of. So I remember thinking this like at that time before 2012 that he was highly thought of and I thought this was somebody who was gonna who was gonna make an impact the more games he got, but the end of this season he got loaned back out to Annan and I thought that was just a terrible, terrible decision. Even if he wanted to give him more game time, it he, he should have been playing higher than the Division Three, I thought. Um, and that's just in the that's just in the, the kind of vague memories I have of him playing, but I, I do remember being quite impressed with him every time I seen him. Yeah, I was impressed. I thought he was a, a decent enough player, but just didn't get the opportunities for whatever reason. Um, McCoy seemed to have his favourites, and it, it, he wasn't one of them. Um, as you say, that they moved on to Annan, but they made, they made that that, that uh, move permanent. They actually moved there on a full time basis. Um, before going to Southport in England. Then he went moved back to Northern Ireland as a Northern Irish player. So <clears throat> he moved back to Crusaders where he, he won the Premiership with Crusaders and then he moved on a couple of years later to Linfield. Again, winning the, the Premiership with 
there again with Linfield and also the League Cup. Um, and now, just last season, he signed for Larn, Larn FC in Northern Ireland as well. I think Larn FC are the like Eastro Bride or Davo of Northern Ireland right now. I think they're quite a small club with some money getting put behind them right now. Uh, for what I've read uh, I'm not an expert in Northern Irish football but I don't know Andy Mitchell might be the marquee signing you don't know could be could be well, let's move on then we'll not look at one of the youngsters now we'll have a, a look at one of the experienced players that we that we signed um, and that's a, a striker called Kevin Kyle well Kevin Kyle had a bit of a career before he came to Rangers um, dragged up quite a few appearances down south um, starting off his career at, at Sunderland where he probably made his name at Sunderland um, I think he played with Kevin Phillips I don't know if that, the timing of that works out but I, um, he's certainly a, a big lad up front who was a bit of a target man for Sunderland that's where he came to, my, came to prominence for me um, and then he made a few loan deals went to Coventry I think he made a bit of a, an impression there as well um, then he was playing at Kilmarnock, so he moved up to Scotland or back up to Scotland. He's, he's, he's initially from Stranra, so he moved um, moved to Kilmarnock. Few games at Hearts before signing for Rangers, um, making eight appearances um, for Rangers. What did you make, uh, Kevin Kyle? Uh, see, uh, see, in the middle of the show when I said this, last kinda epitomises my emotion going downhill at the. <laughs> this season, this just really sums up the absolute depths of despair uh, for this campaign. Uh, he was a terrible signing. And I'm not just saying that in hindsight. I wasn't happy when we signed him in the first place because he was an aging striker who had done fairly well in, in England like 10 years before. But Kilmarnock, he was a bit of a hammer thrower. Hearts, he didn't do much. And it, we didn't we didn't sign him straight for hearts. He had like two or three failed trials for like Air United or I don't know some championship clubs, and we were his third trial, I'm sure. And then we took him, and I remember the first time seeing him at Ibrox, and he just he looked as if he he looked as if he should be fucking selling the pies. He was so overweight and so lethargic, and I don't. I don't want to end the, the, the show in too, too long, no, but I, this infuriates me every time I think about the signing. And any of the bargains is an absolute roaster. I don't know if you watch Open Goal, but uh, a couple of months ago, he, he was harping on about how Rangers should sell Kent for four or five million and go and sign Martin Boyle. It's a fucking idea. <laughs> I was going to ask you about his, um, the podcast. Um, I, I'm not a fan of that podcast. I used to, when it first came out, I was a, I was a fan. I enjoyed it. I liked the interviews that you had with ex Rangers and ex Celtic players. I thought it was quite a nice insight you got into it. But it just became boring. By the boy uh, Simon Ferry, he just asked the same questions over and over and over again. It just became so boring. And now I've seen a few recent episodes with Kevin Kyle and as an ex Celtic player who. I don't get there's a bit of a fuss about this boy and I just don't get why there's a fuss about him he just seems a bit of a yeah let's not slag other podcasts because it's not an easy thing to do but that just infuriates me I can't watch it anymore 
But yeah, any other things about Kevin Kyle when he was playing with Rangers? Any? I guess there's not because he didn't feature much for us. He's probably one of the types of players where we thought he could come in and and do a job. But well, you said you didn't think he would. It just it was it was um, indicative of the signing policy of McCoist that season where he was just trying to bring in all of these experienced players and. I, I remember thinking, and, and the, I'm sure the people in about my eyebrows were thinking the same. It's why do we, why do we need to bring experience in? We don't need experience for this this challenge that we're facing. We could we can do it with the with the youngsters, provided they're coached correctly. And all right, have a few in there, but you don't need to be packing your squad with experience. No, I'm in agreement with you, Colin. He wasn't a he wasn't a player that, that stood out for me, and I was. Quite glad to see the back here. We actually like never mind how poor he was on the park. I think how much money Rangers wasted. So I don't know if he was maybe just trying to like sell a story when he said that Rangers paid him ten grand a week at that at that stage. I think he might be a wee bit playful with the truth, but that ballpark figure wouldn't they surprise me like if it was you know no far off that but we terminated his contract in March as well I think how much money we wasted for so little so yeah. for so little back if he was on that amount of money he didn't spend it well or he didn't save it he didn't put it in the bank because he ended up working on the, the ferries um, I don't know if you remember that that's when he left he left us and went to Air United um, I don't think he done much there and then he ended up back in the, the ferries I mentioned he's from so I imagine the ports are just quite a, a natural employer in that area. So, yeah, I also seen that he done a, played a bit of darts as well, and he reached the last two hundred and fifty six of the Scottish Open. That's like, a, is that meant to be a notable, um, a notable achievement? How many play, people play at darts? He looked every every fucking inch of darts player when he played at Rangers. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Right, let's move on to the last player. Um, sorry, we've got two players to go. Last, second last player uh, is another experienced player before he came to Rangers, and that was uh, Fran Sandatsa. Fran, Francesco Sandatsa. Played a bit all over the place in Spain, a few places here and there. Actually came to the UK and played for Dundee United first before moving to Brighton, St Johnston, before moving on to Rangers. Sandatsa, what have you got to say, Colin? So, again, I am going to open myself up for a bit of criticism here. At the time we signed him, I thought it was a very good signing. Because uh, different for Kyle, who was a bit of a hammer thrower at that point, Sandatsa looked fairly decent for St Johnston. I don't know if St Johnston just won the, they won it like, I know they weren't a very technical team, but it looked as if for them he had a, a bit more finesse about him. He was a decent finisher, so I thought I could see this signing. It, it wasn't too old. He was still mid twi- mid to late twenties, um, mm-hmm. so there was we should have got a few seasons. Um, so I thought that was a really decent signing, and I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, it's scored in his. His first game at Ibrox and he had a cut of, a cut of assists. But other than that, I don't remember him doing very much at all. Saying he's got three goals there, I only remember that one. I think, uh, I don't know if you're going to come on and talk about it, the biggest thing about 
Sandaza that I remember is the manner in which he left. And I think that just really sums up the pandemonium that was going on in the club at that point. Yeah, so for the listeners, then what we're referring to is if, if he's can cast your mind back, the way that Sandaza left Rangers was through a, a bit of a hoax. There was a, a football agent, or someone pretending to be a football agent who had called him up and saying, would you be interested in leaving Rangers? And he said, well, yeah, if the money's right, I'd be, I'd be happy to leave, I'd be happy to go. Um, and this became public knowledge. It was just a hoax, complete hoax, and he was caught out. When Rangers found out about it, they obviously were not too chuffed about it, and they suspended him. And actually, that resulted in them actually being, after the suspension, we went through it and we actually just terminated his contract. Um, but yeah, silly, silly boy. I mean, what, what was he thinking? He must be an idiot to get out, outwitted by Declan from Cope Bridge. Fucking, it was a, it was a Tim or something, wasn't it? <laughs> Try to sell this story to the record. Um, uh, him, him and Kevin Kyle, a couple of ideas up front, must have suited each other. <laughs> yeah, so Sandatsa left and went. Um, he's been travelling the world. He's another one that's obviously just picking up a wage. He's a, a journeyman. It's a uh, definition of a journeyman. He's just went all over the place. He's went to Lugo, Corona, Tokyo. Um, his most recent club is in India. Um, so he's playing in the Indian Premier League now. Just signed there last season. Um, so yeah. Obviously, man, it just follows the follows the, the cash. Are you going to take a take a stab at pronouncing his last three clubs, Graham? Oh, thanks for that. Did you see <laughs> that? I just bypassed that. Yeah, okay, let's have a look. Then. So he's then played for. I'm guessing this is in Saudi Arabia on loan. Al Hali, Al Ahali. Then he's moved to Kundago Hungai, which I'm assuming's Chinese, and then. Al Corcon. That's my Spanish coming out there. That was very good. Thanks. I, I thanks for putting me on the spot there. I was trying kind of try to bypass them and just go to the ones that I could pronounce. Uh, anytime. <laughs> okay, let's look at the last player that we've got then. Uh, last player is Kane Hemmings. Another player coming through the ranks at Rangers. Um, only featured nine times for Rangers um, in the two years, three years that he was here. Kane Hemmings, to me, was going to be a good player as well, had high hopes. I I think I've said that about all the young players we've mentioned in this pod, that had high hopes for all these players, and I think I'm just an optimist. I always want to see the guys coming through the youth team and doing well, and whenever they do anything promising, I just start building up my own head, thinking, yeah, this guy is going to be a superstar. I think I should learn my lesson by now. But um, yeah, Kane Hemmings, what did you, a bit of a pace merchant is my memory of him. Is that your memory? So I'm glad you mentioned about your high hopes about Kane Hemmings. I don't have very much recollection of him other than him being there. And I remember at the time, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a very, Rangers fan thing at that point in time to say, oh, Hemming should be in in the team. But I could never understand why. I, I could never understand why. Was he not just scoring so many in the reserves? Or was the that what it was? I think he had. 
I think he was scoring hat tricks in the reserve. That's my memory of it. But you're right. There was a buzz about him. There was a bit of you know get this guy in the team. But it, I think it was just due to his his youth career or else the reserves that he was playing in, and he was banging them in. But I remember him being quite fast. I remember him having pace, and that's what. Um, that might be a false memory, but that's what I remember him. I always tend to go on the like if they impress me when they make a sub appearance. And like we were talking about Andy Mitchell there, who always looked kind of impressed when he came on or when he featured. And that's how I tend when I, I I'm very I, I jump in the bandwagon with the youth players quite often as well. But it tends to be the John Fletch first couple of appearances had a bit of dig about him. That's the kind of stuff I look for. I'm never really buy too much into doing any reserves, even if you look at maybe two years ago, Ryan Hardy, there was there was a big buzz about Ryan Hardy because he was doing it in the reserves, but I went on the sub-appearances he, he had for Rangers, and I, I don't know, I, I never I never really had the same buzz about Ryan Hardy and the same with Kane, Kane Hemmings. Sorry, Kane. That's the, the opinion of Colin McDuff. Kane will be disappointed to hear that. But he did move on. He moved on to Cowdenbeath. Um, he was actually in the, named in the Championship Team of the Year at Cowdenbeath. So, done okay there. Moved on to a few different places. He's been to Barnsley, Dundee. At Dundee, he actually had a really good spell there. I, I remember him. He played, racking up quite a few goals and he was top of the charts for a while. Um, so, he, he done really well at Dundee. had a good, good um, couple of seasons there. Um, before he actually went to Dundee, he, he was he had a spell at Orlando, um, so went for a trial in Orlando. It didn't quite work out, um, and he ended up back in Dundee. What a, what a come down that is it? Didn't he really do much at Oxford, and then he went to Notts County, and he was actually relegated at Notts County, so he dropped out of the league, and he moved himself back to Dundee, um, where he had another another um, only last season or two seasons ago. Dundee, he had another spell there, didn't quite set it alight the way he did the, the first spell at Dundee and he's now moved on to Burton Albion so that's the roundup of all the players um, anything in there, Colin any, any players that you remember from that season that I've missed out or anyone that's well sticking? I think what we said at the start of the show, this is now starting to get far away enough that we can maybe look back and have a little bit of a laugh about it. You know, it still still hurts, but we can maybe look look at the kind of brighter moments that had happened. It'd be remiss of us to talk about this season without discussing. I don't know if it was this season or the season before, actually, but this general time when we were a fucking circus, Kyle Hutton and his pal Cal Naismith getting getting kidnapped in their own car. Do you remember that? Um, I don't actually remember it. I remember reading about it recently, but it was in, in Edinburgh, wasn't it? In Edinburgh, yeah. They both go putting the boot in their own car, I'm sure, and then got stranded in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, they, I, I think the guys eventually go to jail and they got their car back, but that was... Uh, just bizarre. The reason I mentioned that, Cal Naismith is another one who, to be honest, I, I really, really didn't rate at all that season. I think he kind of epitomised that, like, Nando's culture of uh, 
young players coming through and he, he wanted to look the part more than he wanted to play the part. And I just I didn't really rate him too much on the pitch. My memory, the, my memory of me getting really annoyed at him is actually the Dundee United game as well. When he he went in for a coward's tackle and I don't want to spoil who he probably would have got that influence from, a midfielder who no doubt you'll, you'll speak about in one of the, the next couple of shows, but it was an absolute coward's tackle. Nowhere nowhere near the ball and I really hate that kind of stuff. I don't mind kind of... See, see when you think about hard tacklers and rough and ready, like Runo Grutuso putting your body in the line 50-50. Then you've got guys like Guys like Cal Naismith that season, it's just what to hurt the other player, no interest in playing the ball, go sent off Dundee United. That was kind of my lasting memory of him, but he went on to have a, a decent career, and I was really surprised at that. Yeah, Naismith did go on to have a, a bit of a career, didn't he? Well, he's still, still on that, but yeah, didn't really stand out for me, though. I, I did, not, did not rate him at all. He was one of the players who... You know, going against the grain didn't um, didn't stand out. I didn't have high hopes for. I could one of the ones that I did seen through basically. Okay, guys. Uh, okay, Colin. Thanks very much for coming on the, the the show today, listeners. Please let me know your feedback. Let's let's hear from you. Is there any memorable moments? Or I know you are probably block all of this out, or you've maybe tried to block it out. But if there is any players that we've missed out, please let us know. Um, what was your opinion of these players? Did you have high hopes the way we did for the youngsters? Uh, please get in touch through uh, Facebook, through the Twitter page. The Twitter page is at the Gallant Few One. You can find us there. We're also on Instagram, uh, um, and uh, this podcast is now available on YouTube. So please get in touch through YouTube. And also on Spotify, we've recently been added to Spotify, so please follow us on there um, if that's where you like to get your your podcast from. Colin, how did you find that podcast? Did you enjoy that, looking back? It was a lot less painful for all of these players than it was eight years ago, so I, I did enjoy that. Thanks very much for having me on, Graham. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, listeners. Goodbye. 